coming in a hard time. There is struggle all around us. We're in the midst of a pandemic, and the racial injustice that was suffered by George Floyd has made our country rise up and say, now is the time to solve this problem. What happened with George is not an isolated incident, but it is one that we are all able to see. And every police officer I know is absolutely aghast at what happened to him. And they said that that was not right. And police officers should not behave like that. But more than the wrong of one police officer, it uncovered for us systematic racism, systematic injustice that's in our country. And as our black and brown brothers and sisters are really struggling with this, we remember that Jesus had compassion for the harassed and the helpless. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Ask the Lord. Pray to God for help for those who are harassed and helpless. Pray that we are sent out to be laborers in the field. And what we're doing right now in our country is we are sending out the police as the laborers. We are putting upon our police force the requirement of keeping peace and doing all the work that our broken systems have failed to do. And so we leave them holding more than they should be called to be responsible for. We're abdicating our civil and moral responsibility as people of our communities, of people of this nation. It's interesting to take a step back for a moment and look at the history of policing. In Boston, instead of having private security forces at the harbor, because it was one of the most active harbors in the country, they hired, they came together, the, ship, the shippers and the merchants, to, to create a police force that could then be the security officers for that harbor. And they said it is for the common good, so therefore the state should pay for it. And that was how we developed our police force in Boston. In the South, the police force was formed to go after runaway slaves. And so they were formed in a way that their job was to return black bodies to people who owned them, according to our society. And so we had this sort of inauspicious beginning where we were looking for the police to be a force 
that maintained the systems that were in place. And then as time developed, the concept of community policing came to a force. Our police chief, Dan Rosa, is a strong believer in community policing. And I have to tell you, we can stand strong in Billerica to be proud that we have a police force that really works to the best interest of our community. Community policing is one where it developed in the 80s and there would be small satellite police um, departments around the cities that you would see police officers on mountain bikes. The police would gather the youth and have basketball games and baseball games. They would have cookouts and they would knock on doors and get to know the neighborhood that they served so that they were there for people. And I know as a child, I was told that if anything is wrong, you go to a police officer. That is where you go and you will be made safe. And community policing worked to make that true. And there were a lot of federal grants for these mountain bikes and these other little satellite offices. Um, often it's, you know, we're able to do what money can support. And then we had a shift and we found here that there was the militarization of our police forces. That the grant money for community policing dried up, but the excess equipment for the military was available to local police departments. And from those local police departments, they were able to get grants um, for, for more militarized equipment. And so that made a big shift of how we saw the police in our communities. Naima Watson out of Camden, New Jersey, um, talks about this. Camden was a city that had one of the highest levels of violence, smallish kind of city. Um, and they disbanded the police force and recreated a system in Camden where they were looking at all the different social needs. And she said, we can't police our way out of social issues. Unemployment, disproportionate health issues, economic challenges. These are things that drive crime. She points out that access to education, access to health care, finding solutions for poverty and homelessness, solutions for addiction, and ways to keep the cities from being gentrified so that the people who live there can continue to afford to live there. There are solutions, but it takes the whole community to come together. It takes our tax dollars to be used in a way that solves the problems that drive crime. We are asking too much from our police force. 
We are not giving them the tools to solve the root problems, and yet we are asking them to keep the peace at all costs. And our black brothers and sisters are rising up, telling us that they are being treated in unjustly in the system. We know that they are affected by lack of education, lack of access to health care, disproportionately fall into poverty. And so we know that the solutions come from a much deeper level. There was a picture that was shown during the anthem, which you couldn't hear, um, of a young girl, young black girl, holding a sign that said, we said, black lives matter. Never said, only black lives matter. We know all lives matter. We just need your help with Black Lives Matter, for black lives are in danger. And I don't think we can turn our back on that any longer. I know that that is one of those hot button items. Oh, we don't want to hear Black Lives Matter because all lives matter. We don't want to say Black Lives Matter because police lives matter. And all of this is true. But right now, it is black lives that are facing injustices in our country in a systematic way that we need to change. When Jesus summoned the disciples, he sent them out to cast out the demons. Jesus is summoning us as disciples. I think sometimes we're really too gentle with ourselves, too soft on ourselves. We want to be disciples of Christ. We want to be ambassadors for Jesus. And yet we don't want to face the hard truths. We don't want to be aware of the struggles and injustices that others face. We don't want to be sent out where it's hard. But Jesus is calling us to be sent out, to cast out the demons, the demon of racism, the demon of inequality, the demon of injustice. And Paul tells us that we are justified by faith. We are made just by our faith. Really? Are we just as we operate in unjust systems? Perhaps our faith isn't great enough. Because if we truly have faith in Jesus, Jesus who was able to send the disciples out to cast out demons, Jesus who was able to flip the tables in the temple courtyard, because of injustice to the poor people coming to the temple. Jesus, who was able to say, get behind me, Satan. If we are able, if we are truly able 
to be people of faith. We need a faith that totally trusts in Jesus. We need to be able to surrender and turn ourselves over to Christ so that we might truly be words of truth and justice for this world. Because if we are justified by faith, that means justice lives in us. If we are justified by our faith, it means our faith is strong enough to face the struggles. We know that our salvation depends on this. Calvin talks about what salvation looks like. And Calvin, one of the founders of our faith in the 1500s, and his work is still the guiding light for the Congregational and Presbyterian branch of the Protestant Church, where we have sanctification, we are made holy. We are made holy day after day, moment after moment, by that free gift of grace that is given to us through the Holy Spirit. That free gift of faith and then there's justification, where we are made just, we become justice for a broken world. And that comes through our faith. And that faith needs to be rooted in Christ Jesus. Our faith needs to be rooted deeply so that we can suffer the storms that go with that faith. And then when the time comes, we are glorified with God. Glorification so that we might sit with God in heaven and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servants. Sanctification is a free gift. Justification flows out of our faith, and it requires us to show up. We need to do something with our faith. Our faith calls us into action, our faith gives us a voice. Our faith demands something of us. It's not easy following Jesus. And Paul tells us we'll know we're justified by our faith when our suffering produces endurance. When our endurance produces character, when our character produces hope, and our hope will not disappoint. It's God's love poured out through the Holy Spirit. God's love poured out. And that is the love that's going to change the world. So don't give up. Let your faith work for you. Be willing to suffer by standing up for what is just. And endure. And it will form in you a Christian character where you are strengthened to your core, knowing that you are speaking from a depth of faith in following Jesus. And from that character, we find hope. We find hope where other people think it's hopeless. We find hope for this broken world. We find hope where others see darkness. And in that hope, the 
the Holy Spirit will pour love into us, and that is the love that will change the world. We know that gentleness is the sign of intimacy in the intimate, um, in, in a personal love, that that gentleness. But we know that love out on the public square looks like justice. And when we're justified, we'll be known by our works. People will see the fruits that pour from us. We'll be able to proclaim Black Lives Matter, knowing that if Black Lives Matter, then all lives will matter. We will be able to be compassionate for the harassed and the helpless. It becomes a fire within us. William Sloan Coffin, one of my favorite preachers, uh, he was at Riverside Church um, in New York City. And one of the stories he liked to tell was about this poet, Heinrich Hein, who went with his friend to see the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, and he was overcome with awe. And his friend Alphonse asks him, why can't men build edifices like this anymore? Henrik says, oh, cher Alphonse, that's easy. In those days, men had convictions. We moderns have opinions. And it takes more than an opinion to build a Gothic cathedral. It takes more than an opinion to build an edifice to the glory of God. It takes conviction to build that kingdom come. And that is what our faith calls us to. It convicts our hearts to stand strongly in our faith so that we can proclaim Black Lives Matter, that we can support the community policing efforts of our police force, that we can seek systematic changes in education, healthcare, employment, and social standing. Oh, change is coming, but only if we are justified, convicted, seeking justice, being just, and then we'll see the glory of God.